Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Irish Times Business Podcast in association with Irish Life. Supporting companies and their employees for 75 years. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life. Hello and welcome to the Irish Times Business Podcast. This is Wednesday, September 28th. I'm Kieran Hancock and this show is all about tourism. It's worth about 7.3 billion euro a year to the Irish economy, employs 250,000 workers and potentially reaches into every nook and cranny in the state. It's also helped to pull the country out of recession with a record 8.6 million overseas visitors coming to Ireland last year, spending 5.5 billion euro between them. But it also faces significant challenges. What impact has Brexit had on UK tourist numbers since June? What happens if the special 9% VAT rate is removed in next month's budget? And what more could be done to assist those places in the north and west of the country that don't enjoy the same natural advantages as Dublin, Galway, Kerry and Cork. Uh, Don't forget you can subscribe to this podcast for free on iTunes and it's also available on our website irishtimes.com forward slash podcast. Now last week the Irish Times Business Affairs correspondent Mark Paul travelled around the country in search of answers to some of those questions that I mentioned earlier as part of a three-day series on tourism. We'll hear the first of his reports in a few moments and he joins me in studio with Travis Zeri who runs Clue Bay Bike Hire in Westport County, Mayo. Uh, Joan Hamilton-Riley who's marketing manager of Doolin to Aaron Ferries. Uh, she joins us by phone and Ona Mara Walsh, uh, Chief Executive of the Irish Tourist Industry Confederation. The first of the uh, Mark's two reports uh, is where he discovers the importance of the 9% VAT rate and also discovers some quirks that exclude certain operators from this tax break. He also explores the Wild Atlantic Way and wonders if it's become a victim of its own success. In World War I, the first gas to be used was actually used by the French and that was tear gas. But the this is William Sullivan. I'm at the Irish Military War Museum, which William set up in 2011 in Starina, a rural part of County Meath. I'm on a tour of the museum with William, where he's explaining some of the more bizarre aspects of a soldier's life in World War I. The gas bag you used to put on your face was basically a first aid bandage uh, or a sock, and you peed all over it. And then you put it across your nose and your mouth and start breathing through it. The museum is the first stop on a tour I'm making to have a closer look at one of our most important industries, tourism. Tourism is Ireland's second biggest export and employs a quarter of a million people, but it is often overlooked as an economic sector. Many of the places I'm visiting have issues in common. They need more tourists to flourish, but they have plenty of things to see and do. But they don't occupy a point on the golden triangle of Irish tourism, which is Dublin, Galway and the southwest of Cork and Kerry. Okay, what I have here in my hands is an M16. Uh, an M16. Often, they get less publicity and have fewer foreign visitors in the main hotspots. There are challenges, 
but there are also big opportunities. I wanted to find out what those are. My name is Shane Smith. I'm Bundoran Tourism Officer for Bundoran in County Donegal. We're sitting in Brennan's Criterion Bar. It's on the main street in Bundoran and it is 116 years old. It was first opened I'm in Bundoran, County Donegal. It has plenty of attractions for tourism, beaches, surfing, it's good value and close to Northern Ireland, but it is not as popular as some other locations on the western seaboard. Tourism, however, remains vital to the local economy. I visited Kerry myself about a month ago in the middle of August, and, you know, while I knew it was a busy, busy spot, my jaw just dropped. It was just unreal, the amount of people that were down there, the amount of rental cars and stuff. People are traditionally want to go to the south. They hear Kerry and Killarney and Cork, and that's where they want to go. The Wild Atlantic Way has made a huge difference to tourism in its region. It is a planned route for tourists that runs the full length of the western seaboard, stretching from West Cork to Northern Donegal. It was developed by Fall to Ireland to market the region more effectively. The Wild Atlantic Way has contributed to a huge spike in visitor numbers. The volume of overseas holidaymakers to Ireland was up 13% in the first half of this year, many of whom ventured onto the Wild Atlantic Way. The, the genius about it was that it was always there. It was, and they just put signposts on it and they marketed it and branded it really, really well and well done to Falcher Ireland on that. I hear from tourism operators again and again that Falcher Ireland deserves huge credit for the Wild Atlantic Way, which after only three years is already one of Ireland's greatest tourism assets. It is inspiring copycat routes across the island. Bundoran hotelier John O'Connell told me that businesses in his area spent up to €100,000 a year out of their own pockets promoting the locality during the recession just to keep their businesses alive. He wants more support from the state to promote the northeast. Certainly, make no apology about it. We believe that Donegal, Leitrim, and Sligo definitely needs to be treated as a special case because of the historical context of what we've had to endure over the last forty years. And um, you know, we need more help. We, we certainly doing lots on our own side, um, but but the more opportunities that we have to do things, you know, the better. The Wild Atlantic Way has had a huge impact. But a budget measure introduced by Finance Minister Michael Noonan in tougher economic times in 2011 has had arguably an even bigger impact. Well, well I'm glad you mentioned about the 9% VAT rate because that more than anything else has stimulated the, the tourism business over the last number of years, particularly during the recession. The special VAT rate of 9% applies to many tourism products such as accommodation and the admission prices of attractions. It is crucial for small enterprises in an industry reliant on competitive pricing, as William, back in the Military Museum in Meath, explained. Is, is that important? That's extremely important. Yeah, you, you have no idea. It means that a 10 euro uh, entry fee. It means that a family of five people can come in here for 25 euro. Uh, and you're not, they don't feel they've been ripped off. Back in the Wild Atlantic Way, I've travelled south to Strandhill, County Sligo, where a small business makes the most of local resources. My name is Neil Walton. Our business is Voya Siwi Bats, and we're based in Strandhill, County Sligo. You have your own large cast iron bath in your private room, so you go in and we fill that up with a hot Like John and Stephen and pretty much every person working in tourism in this part of the world, Neil is a fan of the Wild Atlantic Way. In fact, he acts as an ambassador for it. But the other major aid to tourism, the 9% VAT rate, is not applicable to his business. Yeah. Uh, no, we don't qualify for the 9% VAT. Um, it's, it's a little bit strange because we don't uh, qualify for it because we're, um, we have uh, so many tourism and we are a tourist business. It's a little bit frustrating. Uh, now, it's great that other businesses have it and I think it's fantastic for the country, but we don't have it uh, and it's just simply not 
um, on the list of businesses to qualify. <laughs> and, and is there anything that you guys can do or have done to try and get onto the schedule? Yeah, I've, I've wrote to the the local revenue office. They have put me up to the national revenue revenue office, and we've actually wrote to Minister Noonan about it. And it's just a simple thing; it's not on the list, and they can't do anything about it. Again, it's frustrating, but like you know, you know, we just get on with it and try our best, and that's it, you know. Certain tourism businesses, such as bike hire and boat hire, don't qualify for the nine percent rate. Yet corporate caterers, for the likes of Google and Apple, are allowed to take advantage of the special subsidy. A debate has sprung up over whether the subsidy is properly targeted and whether it is helping those who need it most. It's September, and pubs in Westport County Mayo are packed but numbers will drop off in the winter months, presenting another challenge for businesses, especially in areas with low populations and fewer international visitors. Coming up with new ways to extend the tourism season is an obsession for many in the industry. So yeah, we have five shops uh, along the Great Western Greenway, uh, two in Westport, one in Newport. I'm on the Great Western Greenway, a cycling and hiking path from Westport to Ackle. Travis Zaray of Clue Bay Bike Hire is explaining how the Greenway helped his business. How busy has, has this summer been for uh, for Westport? Uh, year on year, Westport never ceases to amaze me. It, it seems to somehow get busier and busier every year. Um, the Greenway uh, in particular, uh, the numbers are probably slightly down this year. And I'd say that's just due to the, the very poor weather in, in July and August. Um, but when I say numbers are down, we're talking maybe four or 5%. So you're still, you're still talking between 200 and 250,000 people a year. Our last stop in the Wild Atlantic Way before it winds its way further south into more established tourism country is Doolan, County Clare. So it's 20 minutes down to the highest point where they can watch all these tiny little people at the top and wave up at them. They can see the puffins, which everybody loves. They all want to see the puffins. That's Joan uh, hamilton Riley of Doolan Aran Ferries. They run boat tours from Doolan Pier to the Cliffs of Moher. The cliffs look even more imposing from the vantage point of the waves far below. While it's clear the numbers of tourists being brought into the area by initiatives like the Wild Atlantic Way are hugely beneficial, there are also drawbacks, as Joan explains. But we're now getting to the stage where the day tours are coming in from Dublin, from Galway, um, and it's causing... A, we're, we're hitting capacity earlier in the season. The Cliffs of Moher Visitor Centre is hitting capacity way earlier as well. And it's, it's causing a, a few problems infrastructure-wise. OK, welcome back. Uh, that was the first of the reports uh, by Mark. Mark, it was a long, uh, a long old journey around Ireland. You decided to focus on the Wild Atlantic Way and also Ireland's ancient east. We'll have the second of those reports focusing on Ireland's ancient east later in the show, but just, uh, I suppose, sum up for us, if, if you like, the current state of Irish tourism in the round. In the round, Irish tourism is in a, is in a great place. I mean, I mean, we're, we're heading for record tourism numbers. The outlook for the next number of years is very, very good. Um, um, I suppose that some of the issues are perhaps is is the benefits or are the benefits of, of tourism being spread evenly mm. throughout the country. Um, you know, when, when there, there are large swathes of the country that are, that are at capacity for, for, for portions of the year, but how do you spread that benefit? it out to other parts of the year um, and how do you work in the shoulder seasons um, there's also there's also the risk I suppose that, um, um, that, that that price inflation may creep back into the market again and I suppose that's a matter for, for tourism operators to make sure that it doesn't um, and, and, and there, are, there are challenges for policymakers in the budget and elsewhere to make sure that the industry keeps going so that so that businesses like Clue Bay Bike Hire and, and, and like doing to Iron Ferries that they can keep growing and keep taking on more, uh, more, more, more business and, uh, and and expanding. So, on the face of it, um, and and in the round, 
the tourism industry is in a very, very good place. But I think the industry now needs to focus on spreading the benefits. Yeah. Uh, John Hamilton Riley, thanks for joining us. Um, how is Dulant Aaron Ferries doing this year? I mean, the weather hasn't been particularly kind to us. No, it hasn't, Karen. Hi, how are you from the windy and wet west of Ireland? Um, yeah, I mean, all things considered, that it was a particularly challenging season with the weather. Um, the numbers were phenomenal coming to Dublin from right at the start of the season. Our season would start kind of mid-March and around Paddy's Day. And we're still sailing at the moment, weather permitting, and we'll continue to do so till the end of October. But typically, our busiest time of the year would be from May till, you know, end of August, which by anybody's um, reckoning is a fairly decent season. I know you mentioned other parts of the country that are not at capacity, but Dublin certainly was this year. And we, we were very, very busy, even when the weather was challenging. Right, okay. What what happens at the end of your season? Do you effectively, uh, you know, go into hibernation or... Or what happens for your company? Well, to my company, the boats get a well-earned rest. Um, they're taken out of the water um, and they're given a lot of, you know, their ongoing maintenance throughout the season. But then they would give their heavy-duty maintenance during the winter season. Um, and me and myself, I would work all year round because a lot of Fault to Ireland's program is to develop business for the coming year. So there's a lot of trade shows and workshops such as the World, the World Trade uh, Travel Market in London in November and various tour operator road shows organised during the off-season. And it's time to catch your breath because literally with a lot of the smaller operations around the country, it's, you know, they're not huge numbers of staff. So, I mean, there's days when I'm not being the marketing manager and being the salesperson at the pier answering the phone because there's just too many people coming down to try and get on a boat. Um, and that's how we make money at the end of the day. So it's literally, excuse the bun all hands on deck you know Um, and and that's how tourism I think will work generally around the country there's very few that can sit in their ivory towers and play on their computers all day (laughs) Right Travis I think you're a good example of somebody who used tourism to good effect uh, to actually get themselves out of the recession because you were a car finance salesman weren't you before that and presumably did well in the boom years when car sales were flying then obviously they collapsed uh, Absolutely yeah it was in uh, 2010 I was working at uh, at a garage in Castlebar and, uh, you know, thankfully that garage has, has survived and they're doing very well. And uh, they haven't actually let staff go, but I suppose you had to start to mm. preempt what, what might happen. And So um, where did the idea come from for <clears throat> Clube Bikers? Well, I suppose the idea came from uh, just driving home from work every day and seeing the, the greenway being built. Uh, and I would go home and talk to my wife and my uh, in-laws and, you know, what are they building out there? What's, what's going on? And I found out then that it was going to be a, a walking and cycling trail. So uh, I've traveled uh, all over the world and I've lived in New Zealand and in Canada where I've seen these rails to trails programs work. And uh, I suppose I just saw the opportunity there and, and knew that if this was done properly and it had the right uh, team of people working together to, to make it succeed, mm. then uh, we could do it, you know. Now, you're into tourists industry, I mean, that's very evident, and yet you're not able to avail of this special 9% VAT rate that was introduced by the, the Fine Gael uh, Labour government uh, some years ago. Why is that? Uh, well, I, I believe it comes down to um, the the tax laws say that uh, because we're bike hire falls under uh, the hiring and leasing as a means of transport, uh, which is the standard tax of 13.5%. Uh, mm. So, now, our customers aren't using our bikes for as a means of transport. Our, our customers are going one direction and being picked up by us and brought back. They're not, they're not trying mm. to get anywhere. They're trying to see something. They're trying to, to visit. 
Yeah. Um, Owen Lamar Walsh of uh, ITIC, um, I mean, you represent the industry as a whole. You've uh, members right around the country, I presume. Um, this 9% VAT rate, uh, I presume, has been uh, helpful in getting helping the industry to get back on its feet after, uh, you know, the crash in late 2008. But it was only ever supposed to be introduced as a, as a temporary measure. Yeah. And yet here we are, you know, everybody in the tourist industry seems to want it in, uh, left in place yeah. in perpetuity. Yeah, it was brought in in 2011 by the Fine Gael Labour government who identified tourism as actually one of the industries, one of the indigenous industries that could uh, provide a very quick return in terms of jobs and growth. And it's been a very effective policy uh, since then. And we would strongly argue that it needs to be retained. It puts Ireland on an even keel with all the competing European countries. So if you look across Europe, something like 17 out of 19 of the Eurozone countries have tourism VAT rates of 10% or less. So we're, we're, we're competitive, and that's mm. very, very important, particularly in light of this period of economic uncertainty and Brexit and so on. We don't want to um, make ourselves less competitive. So therefore, tweaking the VAT rate and so on would be detrimental. We've got, we've got to remember that tourism is a massive employer. You mentioned earlier at the, at the outset of the, of the podcast, 250,000 jobs. That's about one in every eight jobs right throughout the country. And it's one of these wonderful industries that, that can actually provide jobs and employment um, in every county mm. of the country. But it is well, a tax break, nonetheless. Well, and I should say, of course, that newspapers avail of this uh, 9% newspaper, as well. New, uh, ironically, newspapers avail of it, hairdressers avail of it, but it's predominantly a tourism um, industry um, tax rate. And it's, 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 it's a tax incentive, if you like, for the consumer, because, of course, it's value-added tax. It's added to the cost of yeah. a room or the cost of a meal or the cost of entrance to an admission. And yet, the and cost, a, if you look at Dublin, um, the costs of meals and of hotel rooms have, uh, have gone up substantially over the last uh, couple of years as the recovery has really taken hold. And it's very hard to get a hotel room in Dublin. Yeah, uh, I mean, Dublin, Dublin has a particular problem at the moment. In so well, as other parts of the country as well. I would suggest yeah. Killarney and, and, you know, parts yeah. of West Cork. So, some, and of, so some of the tourism hotspots, but particularly Dublin has a particular problem in so far as there's a shortage of hotels. So over the last five years, international tourist numbers into Dublin have gone up by about 33%. And that's at the very same time that actually hotel bedrooms in Dublin have fallen by about 6%. Mm. So demand and supply is completely out of sync. I'd argue that it's not a VAT issue at all. In fact, it, the uh, rate increases in Dublin are, be, are being driven by the fact that, that um, tourism numbers are so significant. What we need in Dublin and the solution to the problem is increased hotels. We probably need about 50 hotels in the Dublin area. And I suppose... That ties into the VAT debate as well, because an investor who looks at Dublin and so on wants some sort of stability when it comes to a tourism tax rate and doesn't mm -hmm. want the idea of, of that tax rate being, being knocked around in a budget. Mark, just in terms of the tax rate, you obviously can't have one VAT rate for Dublin and one for the rest of the country, let's say, and that wouldn't be allowed. But uh, the, the government, Michael Noonan, in his budget speech last year, and then the Kenny uh, recently, I was at the IBEC President's dinner recently, where they kind of signalled that they were becoming concerned about the price increases that are starting to creep in. Uh, and that they might have to look at it. Uh, yeah, you know, that, it, it's the same new music that's really been there since the rate was brought in. When it was brought in, 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 in his budget speech, um, and the Minister for Finance said, I'm bringing this rate in, but um, and keep an eye on your prices, and if we see prices getting out of whack, we'll step in and mm. we'll do something. They haven't done that in terms of Dublin prices, um, and, but um, you're right, they can't just bring in one VAT rate for Dublin and one for the rest of the country, but then that raises the question as to whether a blanket 9% VAT rate is the correct tool to use to make sure that the resources, the subsidy, the sort of the, 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 the incentive is 
funneled where it needs to go. I mean, for example, the corporate caterers for Google and for Apple and for Facebook and for Intel and you know possibly the corporate caterers for here, they're entitled to avail of the tourism VAT mm-hmm. rate. Yet bike hire companies aren't. Shannon boat hire companies aren't. Um, and the seaweed vats in Strand Hill and Sligo, they're not entitled to it. Um, so a lot of the, the fiscal benefit um, um, of, the, of the tourism VAT rate probably flows to areas that don't need it. There shouldn't be a tourism incentive that's uh, incentivizing corporate caterers to multinational companies. It shouldn't really be incentivizing Dublin hotels because they really don't need it. And their prices are rising at 20-something percent a year in Dublin hotels. So it doesn't make them any more competitive because the, the, the price rises leapfrog the VAT rate. So whilst it's a very effective rate, or it was at the outset because of its pure blanket um, um, and blunt sort of uh, uh, nature, it hits so many different businesses. I, I personally think there's an argument for looking at a different measure in, in, in that, that would be more focused at the businesses that really require it. Okay. Travis, let's set aside the 9% VAT rate for, uh, for a few moments. Um, what are the other big challenges facing your business uh, where you're located? Well, I suppose everything we're talking about here now, you know, in, you know talking about VAT rate and, and you know, hotel rooms going up, uh, pricing going up in some of the bigger hotspots. And Westport There's, is a hotspot, isn't and it? And Westport is a hotspot, yeah. absolutely. But if you were to go into Westport now, uh, the deals, the midweek deals for the Golden Oldies and the what I call mm. the Silver Cyclists, you know, uh, Westport is still packed and the value is absolutely outstanding. Um, but you know, when so prices just tell go us what, up, what does it what does it cost? Uh, I don't want this to be a promo for a Clue Bay bike car, but what right. does it cost uh, typically for somebody to rent a bike with you guys? Well, uh, anywhere from uh, fifteen to twenty five euros. Um, so and what would we, the price be if you did have the special nine percent rate? What would the price be? Well, I would say that the price would probably stand the same, uh, and the savings that we would take in the nine percent VAT rate would be going to keeping our, our our qualified, our good staff full time. Uh, reinvesting in more equipment, uh, which would mean that we can bring in more tourists. uh, And in the long run, you're bringing in more revenue. So whether Mm -hmm. there's a difference of 4% in the VAT rate, uh, we could we could increase that uh, by pure numbers alone. You yeah. know, so uh, Owen uh, Mark in that report, uh, he focused on the Wild Atlantic Way and you know uh, Donegal and so on. Donegal, I suppose, is a bit of a, a special case, isn't it? Because there's no train line to Donegal like there is in many other parts of the country. It's also sort of nestled in in the north uh, west of the country, and it's got Northern Ireland right beside it. So if you want to get into Donegal from the south, uh, most of the time you have to travel through the north and so on. So all sorts of special issues uh, affecting um, Donegal. What, what could be done for somewhere like Donegal, do you think, by well, the government? I, I think you're right in a way. I think, you know, the, the benefits of tourism need to be felt regionally. That's what that's what we're all about. So uh, by all means, Dublin and Galway and Killarney and Westport and so on will always be very, very popular. And that's, that's down to the quality of the visitor experience and the tourism product there. The Northwest um, doesn't get the same number of international visitors per se. And yet it is still as beautiful a place in terms of scenery and in terms of landscape, in terms of culture, in terms of heritage. Um, my own view is that it needs more product. So it needs more hotels, it needs more uh, product, tourism products of scale um, to attract mm. overseas visitors. Because the, you mentioned that there's no, no rail network necessarily, but the road network has improved significantly. And it's much more accessible than it used to be. And yet, um, time after time, people go to Galway and turn left. And I think to, to draw them um, to, to, to Mayo, to Sligo, to Leitrim, to Donegal, we really need to uh, put more money into tourism product and tourism infrastructure. Okay. Is there a lack of innovation? Um, I, I think there's, um, there's not necessarily a lack of innovation, but I think there's a lack of um, government investment in the tourism infrastructure in that area. If you look at the five-year capital plan mm. that the government introduced just last year, 
um, it, it was valued at 27 billion euro and yet only 106 million of that was allocated to tourism yeah. and to my mind that's derisory and that's insignificant for an industry that employs nearly 250,000 people in every corner of the country and I think that the, that, that sort of investment um, and money um, should be increased but also it should be allocated to areas that need it the most Yeah, but I mean if you take somewhere like Dingle I mean it must be one of the most inaccessible places in, in Ireland in many ways and yet it's also one of the most popular tourism spots in the country. And they didn't know, you know, we didn't always have fantastic motorways or uh, fast trains or what have you. You know, it was it was torture to get to somewhere like Dingle or other uh, parts of Galway, let's say, uh, on, on the West Coast until a number of years yeah. ago. And yet those places uh, were successful. Yeah, well, it's a testament to how innovative and how entrepreneurial, if you like, the tourism sector is. Um, and I, but I, I do think the state needs to step in. I mean, the private sector can, on, can only do so much, but I do think the state needs to step in in certain parts of investment and infrastructure, and particularly in certain parts of the country, whether that be the Northwest or the Midlands, for example, which gets mm. less international visitors. I do think um, there needs to be more of a, a state focus. Right. I just want to bring uh, Joan Hamilton Riley into the conversation here. Joan, do you, do you actually get to avail of this 9% rate, or are you excluded as well? We don't, Kieran, because uh, we're a vast exempt because our business is the transport of passengers for reward, so it doesn't affect us directly. Okay, well, that's even better, isn't it? Mm, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> okay. Mark, you wanted to come in. No, I just wanted to say in terms of, I mean, the, the point that Owen was making on building more product. I mean, I mean, when the, the tourism authorities and the tourism agencies like Fulcher Ireland are given an envelope of money by the government um, to invest, obviously the government wants a return on that investment and, and, and it measures it in, in euros. But sometimes... You, will, well, you might get less financial return, but you might get more long-term return if you were to invest it. Say, take an area like Roscommon, for example, where the rural economy is declining. Farming is you know, basically going down the toilet in, in, in that part of the country. Um, and so what might you replace it with? Um, and they have, they, they, they have the makings of, um, you know, there's a lot of ancient sites there and, and, and sort of hill forts and stuff like that. Or they could do, you know, rural tourism, like that agri-tourism that they do in Italy. That would be perfect for farmers to, you know, if there was a subsidy or a scheme in order to entice them to do that. But it's very difficult, I think, for tourism agencies like Falsh Ireland to take a big chunk of this capital money that they're given by the, by the state and use it in an area like Roscommon because they won't get the immediate benefit. It's like a television station will chase ratings um, and, 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 and state agencies sometimes chase ratings as well. And that leaves areas in the middle of the country like Roscommon, you know, like Leitrim, we mentioned Leitrim, Longford. and Longford, Offaly, places like that. It leaves them behind and you kind of end up wondering, how are these guys ever going to catch up? Yeah, okay. All right, we're, we're going to pause there. We'll take a short break now and return for the second part of Mark's uh, report from his tour of Ireland's ancient East. Back in a few moments. At Irish Life, we can tell you that 49% of employees in Ireland don't think about tomorrow. They don't have a pension plan. We can help you help them. Because if you're involved in running your company's pension plan, we can administer it for you. With our member-specific investment solutions, online access for employers, trustees and members, and always-on smartphone apps. Just call one of our corporate team on 01704-1845. Visit irishlifecorporatebusiness.ie or contact your pension consultant to find out how we can help your company think of tomorrow. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life. Irish Life Assurance PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. All information source for Irish Life, September 2014. 
Now, welcome back. Just to remind you, I'm joined in the studio by Mark Paul, by uh, Travis <laughs> Zeri, who runs Clue Bay Bike Hire in Westport, County Mayo, and by Owen Mara Walsh, the Chief Executive of the Irish Tourist Industry Confederation, and by phone by, by Joan Hamilton-Riley, who's Marketing Manager of Doolin to Aaron Ferries. Now, as I mentioned earlier, um, Mark Paul has been travelling around the country, our business affairs uh, correspondent, uh, checking the pulse, if you like, of Ireland's tourism. In the second of his reports uh, for this podcast, uh, he went and visited Ireland's ancient east. Tourism operators and other regions have looked on enviously at the success of the Wild Atlantic Way in the west of Ireland. Fault Ireland has developed a new route for the other side of the country. Ireland's Ancient East is a brand that was launched by Fault Ireland this year. It excludes Dublin, but covers much of the East, Midlands and Shannon regions. So as Nuala just demonstrated, you can see that this bell still rains completely clear today. This is the Dumbrody Famine Ship Tour on the quayside in New Ross, County Wexford, the ancestral homeland of John F. Kennedy. On board with me to talk about Ireland's ancient east is Sean Connick. He's the chief executive of the JFK Trust, which owns the ship. For the first time, the east, the eastern corridor, we call it, or a portion of Ireland, is going to be packaged as one uh, destination. Uh, and I think the proposition itself is very strong because there is such a, a, an array of attractions and such a very varied array of attractions. And while, you know, the Wild Atlantic Way is a magnificent, I always say it's, it's, it's one of the most amazing catchphrases of all time. It was, you know, uh, Falchern were always going to have difficulty in the East. Um, you know, I think the Ireland's Ancient East, is, uh, it encapsulates all of the various attractions and the many, many varied uh, thousands of years of history that's available on the doorstep right around all of the counties that are involved in this new proposition. While the success of the Wild Atlantic Way will be hard to replicate, Falcher Ireland is hoping Ireland's ancient East will convince more tourists to spend longer in the areas that it covers. Okay, so as, as we said earlier, we're now heading south. The, one of the navigation rules is to obey... The That's Morgan Smith of Silverline Cruises, based on the marina in Banagher, County Offaly. It falls within Ireland's ancient east. Silverline rents boats to tourists for week-long cruises on the Shannon. Germans are by far its biggest market. The majority of their rivers um, are very commercial. They're not as uncluttered and scenic as ours. Also along with us for the cruise is Steve Conlon of the Irish Boat Rental Association, which represents many Shannon operators. He echoes what we heard from John O'Connell up in Bundoran about the Northwest, that a focused effort to promote the specific strengths of his area is required. I mean, to drive along the Loch Derg Drive on a summer's evening and you see spread before you um, miles and miles of unspoiled waterways, uh, a lake in, and with islands, uh, with lots of small harbours like Terry Glass and Gary Kennedy, uh, just reaching out for visitors. And to ignore this, I think, is a huge, huge mistake. I met with many other entrepreneurs and ambassadors for Irish tourism on my trip. Too many to include them all in this report. But there's time for one more stop. Louise Fitzpatrick is the general manager of the Loch Key Forest Park in Boyle, in the north of County Roscommon. As you can see out from here, we can see the stunning backdrop of Loch Key, the lake itself, and Castle Island beyond that. So, this part uh, of the country is far from most people's minds when they think of tourism. But Lockheed, too, is experiencing solid growth. We have, um, last year, well, coming on to the end of this year, we had about 180 to 200,000 through footfall into the park. But again, that's taken, it's, I suppose it's taken a long time to get people um, to realise Lockheed has been redeveloped. Um, and that, um, I suppose, Roscommon for a long time was possibly forgotten on the tourism trail. Like so many others, Louise says any VAT increase would seriously harm her ability to provide good value. 
But Lockheed faces another major challenge, the spiralling cost of insurance. Our insurance is going up constantly every year. Like Our insurance went up 42% this year, which is absolutely crazy. No, just just it's, it's just it's just what it is, just the way it is. We have very um, strong ethics on health and safety. And for, for what we operate, considering we operate an activity-based um, um, environment, we've very, very few accidents, it's very few incidents, but I think it's it's Norden car insurance, it's it's across the board. And I suppose the I suppose car insurance is is on the, the media at the minute, but it's it's the tourism industry is being absolutely hammered with with insurance at the moment. And ours steadily went up, but this was the biggest hike, forty two percent. and uh, where we nearly have to go across to the UK to get insured now. The a lot of the insurance companies won't look at insuring activity based operators in Ireland. Ireland's tourism industry is clearly booming. Visitor numbers are at record levels and employment is growing steadily. But the question remains, are the benefits being channeled to the regions and the businesses that need the most help? That should be uppermost in the minds of the government as we approach the upcoming budget. OK, welcome back uh, to the studio. Uh, Mark, uh, an interesting report there from uh, Ireland's Ancient East. Some very different challenges facing there to, let's say, the Wild Atlantic Way, Donegal, etc. Yeah, well, people look at the success of the Wild Atlantic Way and, and, and they wonder, is it possible to get, uh, uh, you know, to replicate that on the eastern side of the country? It's always going to be difficult to replicate something like that. There isn't the same um, offering on the east. It doesn't trip off the tongue and say, like, Wild Atlantic Way is probably one of the mm. finest phrases ever to trip off the tongue of, 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 of a tourism. Kind of like Ring Kerry, it does have a ring to it, doesn't it? It does, it does, it does, it's perfect. But when, when, you, and when you think about the west of Ireland, you immediately think of the Atlantic and you think of the wildness and it's very evocative. When you think of the east, well, what do you think of? Are you thinking of Dublin? Are you thinking of outside of Dublin? Mm. Ireland's ancient east is the brand that they've chosen here. You know, that also takes in elements it's, like... It's actually not just the east at all, is it? I mean, it goes as far as Cork, doesn't it? It, it goes as far as parts of North Cork. It takes in parts of um, of, uh, of the Shannon region. I mean, the Shannon boat hire guys, I mean, they're all in Ireland's ancient east and, and, and I don't think they're terribly happy about it. Um, because um, and because they, they think that they, they get a little bit swallowed up in that brand. So um, and then of course you have again to go back to Ross Common and areas like that. They're not in either. Um, they're not in the Wild Atlantic Way or Ireland's Ancient East. So um, and there are there, there are issues with these brand strategies. Yeah. Owen, oh, when I heard about Ireland's Ancient East, uh, first of all, I thought it was the area sort of stretching down uh, along the east coast, you know, from uh, County Loud, uh, Dublin, etc. But in fact, uh, as Marcus just outlined to us, it stretches right across the country to parts of North Cork. Uh, it's a bit of a nonsense, isn't it? Well, it's a, it's it's an initiative that, that's just been launched about twelve months ago by Fulcher Ireland, um, and it's an attempt, um, a bit like you were saying, to if you if you think of it from an international visitor's perspective, they don't necessarily um, um, pick on a county or decide that they're going to a specific county. They 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 look at a region. If you look at a Route sixty six or the Garden Route in, in in South Africa and so on, that's 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 how they, if you like, they they digest um, a country. So Ireland's ancient east is an attempt to define a particular part of the country via its stories, via its culture and via its heritage. And it's in, in its infancy and, and we wish it the best. Um, there are probably um, um, gaps, if you like, particularly in the Midlands, in the Shannon region that, that, that Mark mentioned and yourself mentioned. Um, the, um, and, you know, there is an argument, I think, for um, a different identity or a different um, 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 concept for um, the Lakelands area and for mm. sort of certainly the, the, the Lakelands across to the Wild Atlantic Way because it, it's sort of betwixt and between at the moment and maybe more work could be done in terms of looking at that to see if there's a better way of promoting that and marketing that and in fact in the programme for government um, currently there is um, a commitment to look at that area 
area with a view to seeing how best to exploit it in terms of overseas visitor numbers. Uh, Travis, um, you're a Canadian by birth. How does Ireland's tourist product uh, shape up against Canada, do you think? Uh, well, I think in the last, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm here, uh, I think, 11, 12 years, and I really believe in the last 10 years it's uh, it's been outstanding. Um, the, the different products that have come on board, the the water sports, the adventure activities, I think all of that has come on leaps and bounds in the last few years. Um, Is and there I always, more innovation in Canada than here, do you think? Oh, look, I'd say the innovation that's going on here in the last 10 years in uh, in Ireland, and I think actually Ireland might be ahead of, of ahead of Canada. Uh, before I, you know, I was living in New Zealand, like I said, before, uh, before I came here. And when I first moved here, I thought, you know, geez, Ireland has everything that they have in New Zealand. And uh, why aren't they selling it? You know, and that's what I thought 10 years ago. And when I go online now and I look up discoverireland.ie, they are selling it. You know, the products are here, and I don't think there's any lack of innovation. I think the innovation is there. Uh, I just think that the government needs to support these these small businesses that are that are being uh, innovative and that are employing people yeah. and, you know, help them along. Um, Joan, from your perspective, what could the government do in the budget that would help your business? Well, I suppose just outside of the budget, what what I would like to see done is, I mean, I'm I'm coming out from a bit of left field here because the Wild Atlantic Way is a phenomenal success, but in its wake, it's brought, I suppose, problems for us to manage our destination, which is an extremely popular part of Ireland before the Wild Atlantic Way. And we've now got, I suppose, the increased day tour traffic coming down from places like Dublin. So basically the Wild Atlantic Way... Too many visitors. too many visitors, exactly. So we need to manage our destinations intelligently, and we would like to influence policy levels by basically suggesting alternatives. So you look at places like Florence, where you know they've now agreed a rate of two uh, two euros fifty cents per Airbnb um, per night staying in the city, which is generating them an income of 10, 10 million annually, you know. Now, that's not going to happen in Ireland, possibly, I don't know, but we need to monitor this kind of unchecked vacation rental market that is it's fueling overcrowding and over-tourism, you know. Yeah. I mean, the family that owned Doolin to Iron Ferries were originally fishermen, and yeah. they moved out of fishing because of overfishing. Are we looking at a situation of over-tourism in, in certain parts of Ireland? And I don't think that can be ignored. I think, yes, absolutely, tourism is, is, is helping Ireland's economy. But we look at places like Barcelona and Venice and all these places that are crippled by these cruise tourists, and we have the day tour buses coming down to places like Dingle and particularly the Cliffs of Moher yeah. that we need to manage. We're not saying they're not welcome. We just need to manage them. And we would like government um, help basically in keeping licences you know, controlled and monitored as opposed to yeah. just unchecked. Mark, a bedroom tax has been talked before. It's certainly been talked in terms of the Dublin market anyway, and it's, it's something that's uh, in place in many cities in America. Um, so, um, you know, maybe it's something we should be thinking about uh, in other parts of Ireland. Well, well, I mean, I suppose you can't blame the, 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 the Dublin City Council for looking at the sort of the, the, the rate increases and the, the capacity problems in the Dublin market and thinking, you know, look, we can, we can take advantage of some of that and, 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 and raise some revenue. I think they were going to ring fence it for somebody else. 
I think that was the idea that came through. But yeah, no, look, I, I noticed the, the capacity problem when I was an issue when I was down in Doolin myself, and it was right at the, it, it, you know, I was there right at the, I suppose, the end of the season. Um, and there, there was lots of the thing I noticed in Doolin, and it's a lovely little village, a lovely little town. There's a, a little bridge that goes just over in front of Doolin Hostel down towards the pier. There was triaxle buses um, queuing up to go over that bridge, and nobody could get past them. And the owner of Doolin Hostel, um, um, Anthony Maloney, he told me that, um, um, you know, sometimes he gets tourists coming up to him in a rage, going, you know, I came from Manhattan or, or LA or wherever they are to get away from traffic, away from all of this, yet I've been queuing 30 minutes to get over this bridge. So in one way, it's a nice problem to have if you've got too many tourists knocking about the place. But when, when I studied tourism at college many, many years ago, the buzzword then was sustainability. Um, I was studying in the middle of a boom, so there, there were some of the similar problems. And it was, you know, when, when tourism starts to change the very nature of the thing that people have come to see, that's when perhaps you need to think about, well, how do we spread the business over a longer period of the year? How do we spread it to other areas like Roscommon or Leitrim? that maybe the tourists could go to how can we make them linger for longer in other areas should we have them coming down um, the motorway from Dublin uh, on a triaxle bus and going back the same day on a triaxle bus um, and, and what does that do to the road network around the areas that they're in so these are they're good problems to have for an industry but they're problems nonetheless Yeah Owen are you in danger of uh, killing the was it the goose that laid the golden egg? Well, I think, uh, you know, everyone should be looking for sustainable growth. Uh, you know, and we're in a very strong place at the moment, as, as, as we've all discussed, you know, in terms of record visitor numbers and record spend by those visitors in the country. Um, but what, we're, what any industry has to focus on is sustainable and manageable growth into the future. And tourism should be no different in that regard. And that's why we do think um, this particular budget is important in terms of... So what's it looking for? I'm sure you've made a submission. Well, we're, 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 we're very anxious anxious that particularly in light of, of Brexit and the uncertainties, and remember Britain is Ireland's biggest source market, about 40% of all international visitors that come to Ireland come from Britain. And even since Brexit, we've seen about a 15% swing in the exchange rate. So it's 15% more expensive for a British person to holiday in Ireland. So in that sort of context, remaining competitive and ensuring that the government doesn't apply any more regulatory or tax increases on the industry is very important. So that's one of the things we're looking at. So no bedroom tax? Bedroom tax would be more a local authority um, issue, um, and we we we'd be against it. It's a, it's a tourist tax, um, so it's a it's a tax on tourists, which we don't think is a good idea, and it could um, damage um, demand. Um, from a government perspective, it's more about um, their their VAT rate and what VAT rate they apply to the industry, and we think it need, it should be retained at the nine percent. But equally, we're looking for for investment. I mean, as I mentioned before, there's a, a, a very derisory sum of capital investment that the state allocates to tourism projects and infrastructure and we talk about improving tourism in Roscommon or Leitrim or the Midlands and so on and uh, state investment and state commitment to tourism in those areas can go a long way. The other thing I suppose to keep in mind as well is that we, we rely on the state or, or a state agency Tourism Ireland to market uh, Ireland as a holiday destination in overseas countries. Mm. That's that, as an island as a whole, that, it's not that, just the Republic. That's an, an island of Ireland approach uh, because if you like the overseas visitor looks at Ireland as, as, as a single destination and doesn't dif differentiate between north and south but that uh, state agency that markets Ireland overseas has seen its budget cut during the years of austerity as every state agency mm. of course has seen its budget cut it's about 20 million euros shy of where it needs to be and we'd argue that that, um, that, that should be that, yeah. that budget should be restored well, as soon as possible What about the industry uh, stumping up some money what about the five star well, hotels chipping well, in especially if they're yeah, well, able the, to charge uh, exorbitant yeah, rates now But don't forget the every hotel every airline every ferry company every B&B &B, every um, cycle hire um, uh, uh, company markets as well. 
and um, commits quite a significant sum of money to marketing and promotion of their specific business. But what we're talking about here is the marketing of a country as a whole, and that requires um, the state agency Tourism Ireland to 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 promote Ireland in overseas markets. And unfortunately, their budget has been cut, and that is impacting on overseas okay. consumers' um, recall of Ireland as a, t- as a tourist destination. Travis, are UK visitors, are, are they a big part of your uh, numbers? They are, you? absolutely, yeah. And uh, it's early days since the Brexit <coughs> vote, but are, are you seeing any tail-off in the numbers coming over? Uh, we are seeing a small tail-off of, uh, of British visitors, but I'm seeing a huge increase in North American visitors. Sorry, um, The amount of uh, Americans and Canadians and uh, uh, Kiwis that we've seen this year, I know they're not North America, but um, is outstanding. I know this is the time of the year for, for North American tourism, but all throughout the summer, I, I saw a huge increase. That's probably better for the region. I mean, they surely spend spend longer here. They, they stay spend, longer spend and they spend, they stay longer and spend more. Um, you know, Westport is known as a as a domestic tourism uh, place, so I suppose it does still have the, the, the golden egg that was laid, you know. Uh, Westport doesn't have the, the huge uh, day trip tour buses and all that sort of thing, so, uh, although I'd, I'd very much welcome them on the greenway. We have plenty of space, yeah, 42 sure, okay. kilometres. Mark, just go back to the 9% VAT rate. Uh, the budget is next month, October 11th. Um, they're hardly likely to cut it, are they? No, I don't think they're going to cut it at all. And I don't think when you have um, you know, effectively a minority government that's um, very, very reliant on, on, on uh, um, you know, the, the rural alliance TDs and so on, um, and, 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 and on Fianna Fáil to get this budget through, they're not in any position to cut it um, um, or, or, or to remove the 9% VAT rate. On pure economic terms, I think looking at it totally objectively, they probably should have uh, 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 removed that VAT rate about two or three years ago, two years ago perhaps, and brought in a much more targeted measure, um, whether it's a, a capital fund or whether it was some sort of a tax break for, for, for aimed at other parts of the country. But now, that, you know, it, it, once once you give a subsidy like that, it's very, very difficult to take it away, particularly if the industry starts to build it uh, uh, into its long-term business plan. So, um, but so you know, to answer your question, I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a chance that they will uh, change it in this budget. But uh, uh, who knows what the next government might do? But certainly, what they might try and do is address some of the quirks. I mean, um, again, it's 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 a little bit ridiculous, I think, to have a tourism VAT rate and the business that wins Mayo Tourism Business of the Year 2015 can't get the tourism VAT rate um, and both higher on the Shannon. One of the one of the best things a tourist can do in this country. Tour guides, tour guides don't qualify. Tour guides don't qualify for it, um, and, and 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 other businesses don't qualify for it. And, and I think you know things like when you look at corporate caterers in in, in multinational businesses down in Silicon Docks getting it. You kind of wonder, is it too blunt? You know. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to leave the final words to our, our two operators, if you like. Uh, Joan, we'll start with you. I'm sure you're already thinking about next season. Um, will you be expanding your business, or, or what kind of innovations will you be introducing for next year? Well, what we have had the benefits of this year, Karen, is our brand new pier in Doolan, which was a long time coming, some would say 30 years coming, um, which had a huge uh, benefit to us this year, even in the bad weather season. So hopefully in the next year or so, the Care County Council have already got a team in place designing the new visitor facilities. So we would like to upgrade the whole experience for our visitors coming to Doolan and leaving from Doolan to go to the Aran Islands and the Cliffs of Moher. So that's, that's what our plans are, to, to, to capitalise better on the new infrastructure that we do have available. Yeah, Travis, uh, what's uh, next year looking like for you? What, what innovations are you going to introduce or how are you going to grow your business? Well, I suppose this budget is <clears throat> excuse me, very important. Um, although we don't qualify for the 9% VAT rate, it, it has been hugely beneficial to us. Um, 
the more people who are staying in hotels and, and uh, coming to Westport to to go out for dinner, uh, the more people on beds are the more people that we have on bikes. So um, <clears throat> that's that's very important to us. How many uh, people will you have done this year? How many people customers would we have had out? Yeah. Uh, well, the Greenway itself would be up uh, up on about two hundred and fifty thousand visitors right. this year. Do right. you know? And what would you hope for next year? Uh, are you buying in some new bikes? Uh, we're getting new. We replace our bikes every year, but we are increasing the fleet. Do you know, uh, demand is still there, um, and and will continue to. Um, but I think it's it's very important that this uh, the nine percent stays. And uh, if there was any chance that we could be in, uh, invited to, to to have it as well, it would be yeah. hugely beneficial. Sure. Okay. I said I was going to leave the last word to our operators, but Mark, I'm actually going to give you the last word now because this is just the latest in a, a series uh, that that you're conducting uh, for the Irish Times across all platforms uh, of the media. Just tell us what's yet to come. So, I mean, we had an article uh, today, Wednesday, in the paper, and we had a longer version online. We had a we had a video to go with that. That article looked at the sort of the, the northwest and up around Mayo, Sligo. Um, in tomorrow, Thursday's paper, um, we'll have another article, um, uh, and, and that'll be looking at Ireland's ancient east and down the sunny southeast and up in parts of Mead, and we'll be looking at some of the issues there. Um, and, and we'll have another, a separate video to go with that and, and a longer version online. Then on Friday, um, we'll be looking, I suppose, at areas with, with, with other issues to talk about and in there in that article we'll have um, the Shannon region the, the, the guys who hire the boats and we'll have uh, Roscommon as an example of an area that, that is underdeveloped and we'll also have Doolan um, in there as an area that's a, a beautiful town really successful with tourism but possibly a little bit over capacity at the moment um, and 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 you know in addition to this podcast then we have that we have the report um, that we uh, that, that, that we've already heard so yeah we've got the full gamut of multimedia yeah, okay and irishtimes.com that's the destination for, for all of that and don't forget don't be afraid to buy your newspaper as well guys uh, that's it for this week from the Irish Times Business Podcast my thanks to Travis Zeri Onamara Walsh John Hamilton Riley and Mark Paul Declan Collin produced the show with JJ Vernon as sound engineer don't forget you can get the latest business news straight into your inbox by signing up to our business today email at irishtimes.com and you can also follow the Irish Times business feed on Twitter and Facebook. I'm Kieran Hancock. Until next time, take care. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.